Covenant Church. I'm going to invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Paul's letter to his protege in the ministry at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. We're so excited to have our students, our middle school choir and our chapel choir, lead us this morning in all three services. And so they've been here uh, since very early this morning, 7.15 or so, and have led uh, beautifully in all three services. I, I see some familiar faces of grandparents that are here, and I just want to tell you just how excited I am to see you, and I know more excited how you are to see your grandchildren that were singing there. And we've got parents that are here in the room, and uh, it's just been a good day. Uh, John, thank you for a powerful day of worship through music today, and for us to be able to open up God's Word this Sunday. Uh, I, like you, watched this past week with uh, great interest in what was a tightly contested presidential race. I, I went to bed Tuesday night without clarity, and I woke up Wednesday morning and didn't have clarity, and woke up Thursday morning and didn't have clarity, and woke up Friday morning and didn't have clarity, and I woke up yesterday morning and didn't have clarity. Now, we, we have heard this word a, a million times this is unprecedented, that is unprecedented, this is unprecedented, that's unprecedented. And so this past week has, for our nation, been surprise, surprise, unprecedented. And it's not surprising to us in the midst of this uh, the, the season in which we're living in that this would be a uniquely, entirely unique time. Now, there's a lot of things that I'm just not sure of. I'm just not. But I am sure of this, that this past week revealed what we all know, but we just felt in, in a very palpable way that we're living in, in a real anxiety-riddled, divisive, suspicious, and at times frustrated land. There's a lot of polarization. And you can call it red states, you can call it blue states, but I, th I think in some respects we, we all long for a a sense of unity under the red, white, and blue of something beyond just our individual selves. Something that unites us under flag and, and country. And that division is, is not just a talking point over sort of like the national media. It's a real pain point, I think, for many of you that are here in our sanctuary. It's a real division among real families sons and daughters to moms and dads, grandparents to grandchildren, friends and co-workers that just can't quite see eye to eye, and it seems as if there, there's more polarization and division than has been in, in any kind of point of recent history for, for you. I, I saw yesterday, it was just sort of comical in a lot of ways. I saw a good friend of mine who uh, works at a state Baptist convention posted something fairly innocuous about just praying for our country and praying for projected president-elect uh, Biden. Just posted that on Facebook. And uh, immediately, the first post under him as a 64-year-old, maybe 63-year-old male, the first post was his 87-year-old grandmother, uh, mother, who said, son, I love you, but I could not disagree with you more. <laughs> and the whole rest of the Facebook page was he and his mom having this conversation before everybody else on, on Facebook. And I just thought to myself, uh, he, he sort of made light of it. And, uh, but I felt that it was sort of symbolic in a lot of ways of what a lot of people 
and, and we're like, we're headed to Thanksgiving, where families are going to gather together, and those are going to be, they, they, they were interesting conversations last year, and boy, they're going to be interesting conversations this year. You know, who, who is elected as the President of the United States? It does matter. I mean, it really does matter. It, it matters for Wall Street. It matters for every Main Street. It, it matters for your street, and it matters for my street. I mean, it does matter, but it is not ultimate. This past Friday morning, I didn't have clarity. You didn't, no, no one had clarity of what was occurring, and I was running, and a part of just running for me is to just process things, to pray through the day, and I could not outrun, I'm real slow, so no surprise here, but I could not outrun this deep-seated sense of just befuddlement, anxiety, stress, as I was just thinking about the, the hurt that so many people feel and the confusion that so many people feel and the polarity that so many people feel, and I was just thinking about what that look what that's going to look like it's one thing for me to to feel that but it's what that's going to look like for my three sons and prayerfully their families in the decades to come and it and i, I was I, was this your feeling this week i was a bit overwhelmed i was a bit overwhelmed and it didn't get better it didn't get better with mile two it didn't get better with mile three and so i just took it to the lord in prayer now listen on mile four or five or six, I did not have this epiphany. I bring to you no, uh, no uh, you know, message from the clouds that I received. I heard no audible voice, but there was an indelible impression upon me that in the midst of what feels as if like sort of like uncertainty and confusion and division, that as followers of Jesus, we are on stable ground. That there are things that are just unchanged by any national election. And even the uncertainty around it this past week. Uh, there are certain things that we need to be reminded as we gather a, a Sunday morning after an election week, like none other in recent history, or maybe even in American history. Maybe it's helpful, at least it is for me to be reminded of what isn't contested. Maybe it's helpful for me, maybe us, to be reminded of what isn't up for a vote. Maybe it's helpful to be reminded of what doesn't change, regardless of who sits behind the desk of the Oval Office. There's some things, and this was Friday morning, that the Lord was just ministering to me. And again, it's just His Word. And, and I just felt this overwhelming impression. There were some words of Kevin DeYoung, who's a pastor in um, another place, who his words were just sort of intersecting with, with each step I was taking on, on that run here. And I was just reminded that God, Friday morning, this morning, every morning, is still on his throne. And, and he is working all things according to his sovereign pleasure. God is still our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. God's reign is an everlasting reign, and his kingdom will endure from generation to generation. Our God has been, is, and always will be sovereignly in control. Do you know that not a bird will fall to the ground or a hair from your head apart from the will of our Father in heaven? Matthew 10, 29. I heard all of this is just, all of this is scripture. All of this is scripture. 
I don't know the future of the United States of America. You, you don't either. I don't know what that's going to look like for my sons, for my grandchildren, prayerfully, but I do know what the future of the church looks like. And as we gather together as a church, we just need to be reminded that, that Christ will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. This I know for sure, that nothing will be able to separate you, follower of Jesus, from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This I know, that if a non-believer, one who doesn't profess faith in Jesus, if they confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead, that he or she will be saved today. What hasn't changed is that there are Republicans who need to hear the gospel, and there are Democrats that need to hear the gospel. What hasn't changed is our calling as Christians to live out the great commandment and the great commission before our families, before and in our neighborhoods and in our workplaces. What hasn't changed this past week is that your days and my days on this earth are like grass. Our, our life here is like a vapor. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but this, this remains forever. The word of God remains forever. Republican and Democrat, majorities and minorities, they come and go with election cycles, but Christ's reign is always secure. He's still on his throne. He's still the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There's only one name given among men and women whereby we can be saved when we call upon the name of Jesus. And one day, and I don't know when this is going to be, and you don't either, but one day the kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and of Jesus Christ, and he, God, will reign forever and ever, and we as followers of Jesus will be with him in a new heaven and a new earth. Christian, your hope, my hope, is never settled on the ballot box on Tuesday. It is always secure, not by one who occupies the White House or who we don't know and we're vacillating, who is it going to be? Our hope resides in the one who is never dethroned, who is Savior and Lord, who can never be voted out nor impeached. I was reminded of this and yesterday evening as it was uh, our projected president-elect Biden and projected vice president-elect Harris as they were brought before and uh, certain national media outlets began to share that. I was just reminded of, of what hasn't changed from this Sunday and last Sunday. Like our responsibility as Christians, it just doesn't change because the word of God is, is, is sure and steady about this. What we as Christians wake up to do in light of national, local, and even statewide politics is, is 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 4. It's a simple passage, and it is immensely clarifying. First of all, then I urge you that supplications, prayers, and intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we, this is followers of Jesus, we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, 
who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. But this Sunday, we gather and, and we pray for local officials, state officials, and national officials. We pray for them, we thank God for them, and we are to respect them. I mean, this is, this is true last Sunday, it's true this Sunday, and it will be true four years from now, and eight years from now, and 12 years from now, and 16 years from now, until the Lord tarries, that 1 Timothy chapter 2 is, is clear, and it is a clear directive for us. Regardless of who wins elections, we are to pray for uh, our, our President Trump. We are to pray for uh, projected President-elect Biden and projected Vice President-elect Harris. We're to thank God for them. We're to respect them. And who sits in the Oval Office, it doesn't change our calling. Paul's writing, you know, Paul is writing this letter somewhere between 62 and 65 A.D. I'm not hedging on, I just, we don't know exactly. We can't say it was May 63 A.D., but that range around 62 to 65 A.D., I don't give that to you so that maybe if you're on Jeopardy and there's just a random biblical history question that gets asked that you would be able to win a million dollars. I give you that because it's, it, it is really important around the context of what Paul is writing to Timothy. This past Monday, there's a group of pastors here in Birmingham that I'm a part of, and we gather together. We do it every Monday. Not every Monday. We do it every month. It happened to be this Monday before the election. And of course, we're talking about this. We're talking about our different congregations. We've been meeting for about two years. There are different political uh, positions that are, are comp, uh, you know, composed in the congregations. And, but there's just so much unity in the midst of these brothers in Christ who are shepherding in the Birmingham metro area. And we were just talking about the anxiety and we were talking about the polarization and we were just talking about our calling. And, and one of the pastors, uh, he just reminded me of what you know about this passage here. It's this very passage that we're talking about that when Paul was writing it, the, the emperor was Nero in Rome. And so he, he reigns between 54 to 68 AD, so 14 years, and there were 14 hellish years. I'm just not going to mince any words here. He was not a good person. He was a maniacal murderer who executed generals. He executed senators. He executed his own wife and his own mother for political expediency. I mean, this is, this is what he did. He demanded during his reign, those 14 years, that all Roman citizens worship him as God. 64 AD, which intersects when Paul's writing to Timothy. 64 AD, there's this huge fire in Rome. So Nero takes this little sect, this little new group called Christians the way and he blames the fire upon them and there is a intense persecution of Christians horrific ways that they were killed to, to light the pathways in, into Rome he would take Nero would he would use his generals and his soldiers to capture Christians to encase them in wax and to, to use them as, as, as uh, to, to illuminate the, the night pathway in, into Rome here. The horrendous ways that Christians died. Peter, uh, church history tells us, dies during Nero's persecution. Uh, Paul, it very well may be that he died during Nero's persecution here. And so in the midst of this, Paul is saying, hey, pray for, pray for, we'll go back to the passage here. You are to make supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings for all people. 
e- even Nero? Well, no, all people. Verse 2, for kings and all who are in high positions that we may lead. See, there's a connection, Paul is saying to Timothy here, between individuals that God has, has given the opportunity and his sovereign will to, to lead here. There's a connection for we as Christians to be lead, to are able to live out and to, to lead a peaceful and a quiet life, to be godly and dignified in every way. Christianity then in the first century, even in the midst of persecution, would benefit from governmental rule that, that where war ceased. It was, a, it was a time called the Pax Romana, the Peace of Rome. So it was uniquely a time where there were, there were less infighting, and, and so the Christian gospel is able to go out because you're not in the middle of these horrendous wars here. And so uh, less strife, less hunger, less poverty. That's true then. And if you are to take this passage and you are able to maybe look at it with another passage of Scripture, Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7, we see sort of Paul's understanding of, of the role of government in our society to, to provide order and stability. It, it is a God-set boundary for our good. Now, that doesn't mean, of course, it doesn't mean that it can't be abused. Nero was abusing it. Of course, that doesn't mean the Christians aren't to oppose that. But even in the midst of that time, government, it can be utilized by a sovereign God to provide protection, provision, There's a role of government to keep the peace, to protect citizens, to preserve law, to establish systems for growth and well-being in any and every community. So a stable society, it gives believers the opportunity to freely worship, to freely spread the message of the gospel. And these are good things. These are good things that we can thank God for. So how do we pray after the polls close? Last night, we, uh, my family and I, we were Clemson and Notre Dame were playing, and it got preempted. And many of you saw our projected president-elect and projected vice president-elect, and you saw the celebration and listened to speeches, and I did too. And uh, our family devotions were during that time. And so we did what we, you know, we did what we do as a family the previous weekend. And two years before that, and four years before that, we prayed for our elected officials at a governmental level of city, state, and national. And these have been five ways that we as a family have prayed. And these are ways that you're praying and have prayed. And I encourage you, if you're not, to pray uh, at, at a local level, at a state level, and at a national level. Regardless of the election of outcomes, our calling to be men and women of, of prayer is, is still before us. And so, so we prayed last night for wisdom and understanding. Projected President-elect Biden is coming into a time which is a daunting task of leading a deeply divided country. And we know this. In the midst of, of governing, in the midst of a pandemic and serious disruption and polarization, And so we're praying for wisdom from above to make decisions that bring people together, instill hope where truth reigns supremely, guides us. They're major decisions. And this is why elections do matter. They're major decisions that have been made and will be made in the coming years here that will shape our nation 
for years to come. And so we as Christians, we're on our knees and we're praying for wisdom and understanding of those who are in these positions. Because there, there's some of you in these positions here at a local level, at a state level, and at a national level. And you know the, the need for, for wisdom and understanding to be able to make those right decisions because you're in a situation where you're having to try to say, how do we move forward? What's the next good step here? And so we pray that God, through his spirit, would give wisdom and understanding. We also pray for a heart of service. That's ultimately what elected officials are called to do, is to serve the people. And so we pray, whether it be our governor, whether it be elected uh, councilmen and women, whether it be uh, our president-elect, projected president-elect here, that they would be self-controlled sober-minded, pray that they would not make rash decisions, would seek good counsel, pray for the desire to work with one another, to serve the good of others, to serve the good of our country. Thirdly, we pray for protection. We pray, no matter who sits in the Oval Office, we, we pray for the president to be protected from evil, and also from doing evil deeds, willingly or even unwillingly or unwittingly doing that. We pray for any president's health and general safety, understanding the, the times and, and the, the difficulty of, of that position here. We pray for courage. Some of you that, that have served in elected roles, you, you understand that to, to be in those roles requires an intense, intense scrutiny. When you're just in that role, and, and the ability to be able to courageously move forward here is something we want to pray for courage in the face of adversity for any elected official here. And we want to pray that for uh, projected president-elect, courageous to serve our nation, to seek the good of our nation. And we always pray, as 1 Timothy 2 reminds us, we want to pray for elected officials in, in every president's Christian growth. So we pray that our leaders, including our president, would truly know and truly trust Jesus Christ. We want to pray that God would capture their hearts and that Jesus would reign in their hearts. We want to pray that they would turn to him for guidance and for wisdom. We, we want to pray these things because these things matter. These are, these are five truths that have sort of helped my family, as, as we gather just to pray. And last night, this is how we prayed uh, for our nation. This is how we prayed for our leaders. But something I just had to, this is just a little addendum here, just to add on. I also, this past week, I just wanted to pray for myself for just perspective. It is easy for me, maybe not you, but maybe just me. I don't think it's just me, though. It is easy for us to be confused about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. And sometimes we have to be reminded of what is eternal and what is of ultimate significance. It doesn't mean the kingdom of this world or the kingdom of our nation. Does it matter? Yes, it matters. Of course it matters. But it is not ultimate. It is not eternal. When we get to heaven, we're not going to be grouped by our country of origin in heaven. We're not going to have a, a, a division of, 
of nationalities in heaven. We're, we're going to be there in the beautiful diversity of, of how God has created us, but we're ultimately unified before him. That, that's our eternal destiny. And what happens here on earth, it does matter. It does. And it is something that we want to be actively participating in and give a voice to, but it is not of eternal, ultimate significance. And there is a difference. When we take things that are temporal and we treat them as if they're eternal, we ultimately create an idol that we're worshiping. And I need to be reminded at times that idols are to be confessed and repented from. And so no matter the the, uh, election votes of this past week, guess what? This sermon would be the same. I've got nothing but blanks here because I didn't know when I stood up who who that was going to be. And I thought to myself, maybe I I don't know how to do that. But then I thought to myself, well, it doesn't matter because everything that I'm saying would be true if we were saying that President Trump or if we're saying that projected President uh, Biden here. None of it matters here because ultimately we pray for our local, our national, our state officials. And we remember that Jesus is Lord. I grew up in a public school environment in a suburb of Jackson, Mississippi, that early memories, I would say, I dare say the earliest memory I have of school is, is being in kindergarten and my teacher teaching us to stand up. I'm sure I learned this before, but I vividly remember it in the context of my classroom and in that, in that moment reciting the Pledge of Allegiance. This is just how we started the day. And I am so grateful for a country that, that I love. And, and Wednesday is Veterans Day. And the cost of the freedoms that we have that are represented by men and women that have paid ultimate sacrifices of missing it, during their deployment. I mean, we're not, we're not saying Memorial Day. We're just saying Veterans Day here. Uh, they, they miss birthdays. They miss births. They miss significant milestones because there's a higher calling even than that nuclear family for that nine-month time of deployment here. My grandfather, who's in heaven now, is a Korean War veteran. My mom was born in Casablanca as he was, as he was there deployed. And I think about the, the freedoms that we so richly enjoy as we gather here that is through the, the faithful service of men and women who are veterans right here in our sanctuary here. And so there's much that we just say, thank God for our country and thank God for men and women that have fought to preserve freedoms that we so richly enjoy. So I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America without any hesitation, with, with tremendous respect, tremendous pride, tremendous thanksgiving that we have this privilege but as a follower of jesus i and you we pledge a higher allegiance to the cross of christ jesus so we pray for and we honor our leaders we are grateful for the positions that they have we pray for the good that they can do We speak out and even oppose when there are positions that we oppose here. But our rallying cry this Sunday morning 
Our rallying cry as Christians has not been and will never be held to the chief. Our rallying cry as Christians is and has ever more been Jesus is Lord. And that, my friends, it wasn't on the ballot Tuesday morning. That, my friends, has been and will ever more be secure. Yes. Yes, it will. Let us pray. it is God that we come to you this morning grateful for the privileges that we enjoy as we're able to freely worship this morning we, we realize that that comes with a cost it comes with a price and so we gather to say thank you God that we gather publicly we gather with freedom to be able to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We, we know that there are brothers and sisters that are living in, in lands where, where that is not the case, that is not the truth, and it has not been their experience for years and years. And you're still sovereign, and you're still moving, and you're still drawing people in, in all types of governmental regimes. But as we're here this morning, we are grateful for the privileges that we enjoy. And we're grateful as believers of what unites us together even in the midst of a polarized, divided land. You unite us, and what is eternal unites us. So allow us to see that our greatest allegiance is to you, and you first and foremost, as our Lord and Savior. What hasn't changed this week is that you call us to be about the Great Commission and to live out the Great Commandment in our neighborhoods and in our workplace. So may we love you with all of our heart, mind, and soul. May we love our neighbor as ourselves. Draw us to you, Lord Jesus, even now. We pray this in the name of Jesus.